Now I want to address those who are in the 30s, 40s and 50s. Who will teach your children the gospel? Who will cultivate the next generation of youths? If from among you nobody rise up to preach the gospel and preach the word without a passion for the gospel, without a desire to suffer for Christ, I'm telling you honestly, we are a dying church. I'm not just talking about deacons and elders. We need good elders and deacons more. But we also need full-time workers who will study the Bible and will preach the word and will drive the church into a gospel-driven testimony. Those of you who have been in the church for so long, why are you not ready to serve God? Something is wrong. God cannot give you elders from Singapore and Malaysia and other parts of the world. Yes, he can bring if you so will, but every city, every church in each city must find their elders among themselves. And if we do not grow up to that, what's wrong? Something is wrong. Listen to me, please. If you are a parent and God gives you three children or four children or two or whatever be the number, Expect your children to grow from nursery level to primary and then to secondary schools, then to university. And then you expect them to find a job. You expect them to get married. All this a natural process of growth in any human society. How about the church? How about the church? When you cannot find men who fit the office, when there are no one willing to pray and to prepare themselves and seek the will of God, how to serve God? You know, we are failing. We are failing as a church. May I repeat what I said a while ago? We are becoming a dying church. We cannot be like that. You brethren better start praying. You sisters start praying that your husbands and you together with your husband will bring up godly families and you can offer yourself to serve God. It's not just about making money and making our houses big and buying new cars and making a big name for ourselves. This life is so short. Soon you will pass away. What legacy do you have for your children and your children's children before God calls you? How many more years are left for you? When will Bethel wake up? When will the members of Bethel move with deep desire to see a godly leadership in your midst who are able to instruct brethren, who are able to put their life at risk if necessary just to be disciple makers? May I tell you, it has to be found in you according to the scriptures, not outside. Today, we will be meditating on the book of Acts chapter 14 and we will consider particularly verses 28 to 33. And our topic is the church and discipleship. We see in this passage, Apostle Paul together with Barnabas and others on the move from cities to city to preach the gospel. And as we move down from verse 1 of this chapter, we see a very bold group of missionaries, namely the Apostle Paul and his team, moving from the city known as Iconium down to other cities nearby. But they were moved by the providence of God that worked through 
tribulations, namely persecutions. It was not a pre-planned move from city to city. Yes, they always had plans to move from place to place to preach the gospel, but in the events that are recorded in chapter 14, which is a lengthy narrative where we see the Lord moving Paul and Barnabas uh, from Iconium then to places such as Lystra and Derby, which you will see in verse 6, which were cities of Lyconia, and from there back to, uh, uh, to another place called Derby, and then back to Lystra, and then Iconium, and then again to Antioch. And all of these names are seen in this chapter. These were the cities uh, that the Lord wanted them to go. But they were directed by unusual circumstances. As I said, they were not pre-planned cities uh, in the mission trip. Uh, They went to Iconium. Uh, If you would come to verse 52 of the previous chapter, which is the last verse of the previous chapter, namely chapter 13, You read there, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. So you can see wherever Paul went, there were disciples, the disciples. And these were not the apostles, because the apostles were all over the world, going to different directions to preach the gospel. But these are the disciples who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ through the preaching of Apostle Paul and Barnabas and others who were with them. So we see a group of disciples at the end of chapter 13, but in verse chapter 14, verse 1, we see it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews and so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. So now we see in the, in the, town, in the city of Iconium, uh, there was a Jewish synagogue where Paul and Barnabas entered to preach the gospel and many Jews believed. Some, of course, didn't believe. And they also turned their attention to the Greeks uh, and preached, many of them too believed. And it is said that a great multitude, uh, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. So that group of the disciples were very large. It was a sudden explosion, not like in our days, in our churches and cities, we see people coming to believe in small numbers, right? It's so hard to get people to the church. I think that's the situation in, in Singapore, uh, even in these days, in the 1980s, 1990s, that's about 20 years ago. I used to see gospel rallies conducted by the churches here in Singapore being filled with non-Christians. You know, you can easily bring in as many as 20 to 30 non-Christians to hear the gospel when we conducted a gospel rally. But in these days, gospel rallies are hardly attended by non-Christians. Our our people do try to invite their non-Christian relatives and friends. But a sense of materialism has crept in, even in Singapore, that gospel rallies are very rarely attended by non-Christians. The efforts of our people are rejected. And I suppose that could be more or less the case in in Australia as well. 
Uh, very hard to get non-Christians to come and hear the gospel. They're not interested. You see, in the time of the apostles, the apostles could go into a Jewish synagogue and preach from the Old Testament and show them the Messiah was promised in the Old Testament to come to bear the sins of the people and then expound Jesus Christ as that Messiah. And that's what Paul and Barnabas did. And they could also move into the city and uh, take a position in a city corner or a street and start preaching. Now in Singapore we can't do that. It's not allowed. We were allowed to distribute gospel tracts. But of course, over the last three years, because of COVID, the public distribution of gospel tracts are not permitted. And uh, even before the COVID restrictions, distribution of uh, gospel tracts in MRT or the railway stations or bus interchanges and within buses and within trains were very much discouraged and even uh, uh, even di not only discouraged but even fined because people tend to drop uh, the gospel tracks onto the floor and uh, thus littering the uh, uh, streets and public transports and that would uh, result in fining uh, by the authorities. So Christians became rather uh, hesitant to attempt to preach the gospel by distribution of tracts in Singapore. The only time I see some Christians do some tracting is when they go house to house. And even that, only if the people say, okay, I will take a tract from you, then you can give. So giving of the gospel tracts plus, uh, has, has become a difficult thing, plus the Difficulty in finding non-Christians to come to church to hear the gospel in the gospel rallies or gospel meetings. Make it all very hard for preaching the gospel to the non-Christians. And what I perceive by looking at 30 years of changing scenes in Singapore and in other cities of the world, I see gospel campaigns in big uh, settings, in large gatherings are difficult. Of course, the charismatics uh, do certain kind of gospel attempts by falsely claiming, uh, claiming healings and miracles. That is a kind of fake gospel preaching most of the time. I'm it's very unfortunate that such things are being uh, even called as evangelistic efforts because they sell a false gospel of health, wealth, nature. That's not what gospel is. So I don't even want to speak a great deal about such attempts as true gospel efforts. So we, we do see uh, gospel efforts shrinking in their, uh, in their ability to reach others 
quickly. Uh, however, we must not ever be afraid of thinking and making effort about spreading the gospel. We must find ways and means to spread the gospel. And that's our duty, Christian's duty. And without the preaching of the gospel, there won't be new disciples coming in the church. It is the preaching of the gospel that produces uh, disciples. After all, that is what the Great Commission is all about. When Jesus told the apostles, as we read in Matthew chapter 28, to go into all the world and preach the gospel, he told them in clear terms that they have to make disciples. In fact, in our King James translation, Matthew chapter 28, verse 8, 19 read, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. The word teach there uh, is not the normal Greek word for teach, but make disciples. Remember yesterday I told you that matheteo, a Greek verb comes from mathetes, which means disciples, means learning. So here to teach all nations in Matthew 28, 19, is a reference to making disciples by means of teaching. So today we must remember the great commission that God gave to the apostles and to the church require us to constantly think about having disciples. Not only existing disciples, but new disciples. That's why we are told to go out into the unbelieving world. So making disciples, disciples is the duty of the church. It is the duty of the church leaders. Our duty is not only to, uh, you know, take care of the present congregation, but also to reach out to win more for Christ. A lot of leaders are so so involved in managing the funds and building renovations and other matters of uh, the uh, physical of the physical nature of the church i'm not saying those things are not important they are very important you must take care of the church building you must be good stewards of the church funds uh, you must take care of the physical and spiritual needs of the present members. You must be involved in mission activities and so on. But at the same time, the pastors, the preachers, the elders, the members of the church must not forget their God-given duty to preach the gospel. So there may be difference uh, in the way evangelism is carried out. As I said, when we look at uh, Acts chapter 13 and 14 and other chapters that precedes and follows, we see evangelism was done in a very different way from today. Uh, because of the freedom that existed, I don't mean when I said freedom uh, there were no opposition. They had horrible oppositions, but they braved those uh, difficulties and went into the society to preach. So 
if our churches are going to be disciple-making churches, we must be willing to bear some consequences. There can be fines imposed upon us. There can be physical violence against us. Uh, there can be arrests and imprisonments for preaching the gospel, which always happened. If you were to look at some of the details in chapter 14, you will see that. Look, please, into verse 4, Acts 14, 4. The multitude of the city was divided and part held with the Jews, that means unbelieving Jews, and part with the apostles. Of apostles, many of them were Jews. Uh, however, there's a difference between the Jews and the apostles here because the Jews here refers to the unbelieving Jewish leaders and then the apostles refers to Apostle Paul and his team. And so the city was divided. So take note, it became very clear to the people of that city that they might stand. Either they stand with those who oppose the gospel preaching by the apostles or they stand with the apostles. You can immediately guess that those who stood with the apostles would be those who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Others would certainly oppose it. Now when we move into verse 5, we notice that there was an assault made both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews with the rulers to use them despitefully and to stone them. So things got out of hand. Both unbelieving Gentiles and unbelieving Jews schemed to stone the apostles with the intention of killing them. You don't stone people uh, in those days just to chase them away. Well, that is possible, but we know normally what they do is stone them to death. So there was a murderous plot taking place. That's the kind of price sometimes the churches have to pay to bring the gospel to the cities. If Gethsemane BP Church here in Singapore and Bethel BP Church there in uh, Australia, Mel Melbourne, Australia, decide to live a comfortable life and not being upset uh, or not being disturbed by the unbelieving crowd around them, you're never going to be a disciple-making church. We will have all kinds of reaction. Some time ago, when one uh, young brother was brought to church and he became a strong believer and he is now serving the Lord here. He was here standing with me uh, taking photograph. Uh, he comes from a non-Christian home and his mother was very, very strongly against him coming to church. And the mother came one day to church to show her unhappiness over her son's faith in Christ. And she uh, was rather unhappy and a bit em uh, emotional at the end of the service. Uh, so I went to that lady 
the mother of our dear brother, and tried to speak with her and tried to tell her, look, uh, we, we are very glad that your son is coming, but it's not that we force him. He voluntarily come because he come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as a wonderful Savior. When I was saying some words like this, the mother was very upset and she slapped my hand. And I said, Andy, don't beat me. It's not, it's not good. You shouldn't uh, be uh, angry so much. Now that is nothing, you know. It was just an outburst by that unbelieving lady because she was very grieved in the heart that her son wouldn't follow her faith, but he changed to believe in Christian faith and she thought the church is to be blamed. And of course, I as a pastor would be on the forefront uh, of addressing this so-called problem that came to us. And I had to face it. And I cannot retaliate that lady in any angry manner. I have to accept it, right? Of course, we don't want violence to take place, so we tell them not to be violent. However, we must be prepared for such moments. It can be much worse than that. I, by God's grace, I have not been so badly treated, except in some in events uh, I have been spat upon on my face. Uh, by somebody whom I uh, was counseling and trying to bring him to the Lord. And I have other instances where people threatening me, uh, even by telling me that they are going to report me to police and to authorities for trying to preach the gospel. But all those were mere threats. And uh, what I would, could have very I would say as very light afflictions. And that is God's mercy toward me. But in the days to come, I do believe if Gethsemane Bible Presbyterian Church where I'm ministering and you brethren there, if you're ever going to be in the, in the business of disciple making, you better be prepared to be affected by those who are angry with you for preaching the gospel. We all have to be prepared. And that's what I'm going to show you now as Paul, as he moved from city to city to avoid persecution and continue to preach the gospel, he clearly told the new disciples that it is part and parcel of their calling to be disciple of disciples of Jesus Christ to endure afflictions and preach the gospel. Now, please take a look at this. <clears throat> I'm not going to read through this, this chapter uh, fully, but when we come uh, to verse 5, which I read a while ago, where people were attempting to stone him, verse 6 now, they were aware of it and fled unto Lystra and Derby, cities of Lyconia, and unto the region that lieth round about. So they moved in that area of Lyconia uh, in order to avoid persecution and spread the gospel at the same time. Now, let's move down now to chapter, uh, sorry, uh, verse 19. Look at verse 19. And there came thither certain Jews 
from Antioch and Iconium, who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. So as Paul moved from city to city, there were others who were following him from city to city to cause trouble for him. So when he moved from Antioch to Iconium, and from Iconium to Lystra, and then to Derby and other cities in that region, these men who were hostile to the gospel of Jesus Christ and the preachers of the gospel, followed him and they stirred up the feelings of the unbelieving people in these new cities and which resulted in stoning Apostle Paul. Well, every church and every church leader, and in this case I must say myself and Reverend Paul Cheng, must be prepared to stand and receive all kinds of pelting, stones, words, maybe even lawsuits, fines, and so on. We'll be pelted with every kind of hostile activities, and we will feel the pain, both in our mind and body. And there you read in verse 19 that the people who attacked Paul thought he was dead. So they left him there, supposing he had been dead. That's the price. As a church, we all have to pay. And we shouldn't be afraid of it. Why should we be? We already learned that what Jesus told the disciples, that they must take up the cross and follow him. We must deny our comfort. We must deny even our very life so that we may gain Jesus Christ and be partakers of the glory of his kingdom. Unless a corn fall to the ground and die, it will not grow. If the corn always want to look very, very shining like a gold nugget and want to look so adorable, it will never grow. It should fall to the ground and its shiny covering must go and it, it loses its shape and color and it goes down to the dust and there comes the green shoot which will then bring more grain. Uh, that, that's the example that Jesus used. Unless we fall to the ground and die. We cannot be soul winners in this world. If you want to bear fruit for the Lord Jesus Christ in the ministry as a church, the church must be willing to pay the highest price. The leaders must be willing to pay the high price. You know, dear friends, just because you have a nice building or big bank account, you're not going to grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. How many of you in the, your congregation is willing to bear the cross for Christ, for the preaching of the gospel? It does not always mean you have to go to Africa or Cambodia or to Burma or to Philippines or some far places. Even in your own cities, 
If you want to have an influence for the gospel of Jesus Christ, there you must be able to bear the burden. From among you, young men, young adults must rise up to bear the name of Jesus unashamedly. If you are going to be always thinking about safeguarding your, your health, safeguarding your wealth, making sure you are getting prosperous every, every week, every year, well, then don't talk about being a disciple of Jesus Christ. If that's what fills your mind as Christians who ga gather in the church, then I'm sorry, you have the wrong God in your mind. Your God is Mammon, not Jesus Christ. Jesus says to us to go out and preach the gospel and make disciples. But we want to say, well, we don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want to be affected. We want to make sure our children are all very rich and powerful and we make a lot and lot of money. We want to die in comfort. Well, maybe that's a bad sign. Not maybe. It's a very bad sign. <coughs> Even though not everybody is going to be a preacher, the church If the church lacks a desire and drive toward evangelism, or may I call it disciple-making. Evangelism is dis disciple-making. Some people make a difference between evangelism and disciple-making. <coughs> Without evangelism, there are no disciples. It is through evangelism you make disciples and then confirm them in their faith. Disciple-making begins with evangelism, and that's where it's all about. And it has to be an active ministry of every church. I hope Melbourne, in Melbourne, <coughs> Bethel BP Church will be a very strong evangelistic arm of the Lord, where you day and night think of winning souls for Christ through the preaching through the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you must be prepared to pay the price for it, whatever it be. I'm not trying to say that you uh, purposely move in to irritate people, no. We must be wise as serpents. Uh, we must be gentle as dove. However, we must be determined to preach the gospel. And like Paul, and his fellow team members, we must preach the gospel and we must find ways and means to go into the society and meet with them to share the gospel. If we can't give gospel tracts along the streets, then let's invite our neighbors to our homes and have a dinner or a meal where we can share the gospel. You can invite your pastor to come along and answer some questions. Or you can play a video with a short gospel message. Or there are many things you can do. I think many of you people 
are aware of many evangelistic means that you can make use of. And we cannot become stagnant in the gospel preaching. And to be an active church in the gospel preaching, we need leaders, real gospel-oriented, gospel-focused men with a passion, with an undying passion for the gospel. And I pray that you men and women in your church will start praying that because the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few, you must pray that the Lord of harvest would send laborers into the field. My prayer is that at the end of this series, God will be pleased to raise some from your midst to come for the gospel preaching. Now, I know that some of you may be quite worried about going into the full-time ministry uh, because you might have seen or heard about those who ended the ministry falling by the wayside and not really showing a real commitment to suffer and preach the gospel at all costs. Yeah, we are not going into the ministry like those who want to make a name for themselves, those who have their own agenda, their own ideas and not willing to submit to the leadership, not willing to stay by the truth. They want to look worldly. They want to enjoy worldliness and materialism. They want more money. The, the, that sort of people will creep into the church. They will come into the leadership. Bible has spoken about it. And they will increase in number with time. But when you see all this, that you know, people who are not really called and not really burdened for the gospel coming into the ministry and making a wreck of, uh, making a wreck of the ministry itself, you must feel a burden. Then why is it so? Who will lead my church? Who will teach the next generation of Christians? And I want to address those who are in the 30s, 40s and 50s. Who will teach your children the gospel? Who will cultivate the next generation of youths? If from among you nobody rise up to preach the gospel and preach the word without a passion for the gospel, without a desire to suffer for Christ, I'm telling you honestly, whether it's Gethsemane BP Church where I'm pastoring or your church, we are a dying church. Next generation will not have a godly leadership. And that will be my main point in the next message. And I will come to that, God willing, with more clarity in our second session today. So are you going to have that kind of Leadership in your church? I'm not just talking about deacons and elders. We need good elders and deacons, more. But we also need full-time workers who will study the Bible and will preach the word and will drive the church into a gospel-driven testimony. Winning many souls. When will you start praying for these things in your home, in your personal prayers? 
Will you stop your children from serving the Lord Jesus Christ? If God is moving them? Will you tell them that it's a foolish idea? Or will you say, son, if that's how the Lord wants you to go, you pray and be settled in your heart. We will pray for you. But be prepared to face all kinds of trials and ready to die for the Lord. And we'll be happy parents if you die for the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you there will be able to say that? If one of your sons were to say to you, Daddy or Mommy, I want to serve the Lord. I know even in Singapore, the situation is very bad. Majority of the Christian parents discourage their children from being gospel preachers. They would say, you go and make money and be an elder. That's enough. And you can contribute to the church. No need to be preachers. But my question to all of you is that, then who will teach your children and your grandchildren the gospel? Let's don't become a materialistic community of people. That's not Christian. That's not worthy of Christ's name. It's embarrassing when Christians become so materialistic. We all must shed our tears in repentance for being so materialistic. I pray that you know many of you who moved from other parts of the world especially from Southeast Asia to go to Melbourne and to live a comfortable life would think this way that God allow your move to Melbourne not just to make money but to be witnesses of Christ in that community if you went there only for making money and making sure that your life will be just comfortable, probably this will be the last generation in your family line that would serve Christ with faithfulness. But I'm sure you don't want that to happen. But then where would the preachers come from? Where would the preachers for your congregation come from? If they don't come from your own family, then I want to say something. That is a dying church. We are like Laodicean church, the last of the seven churches to which Jesus wrote in the book of, uh, in the book of Revelation. So materialistic, they are blind, and that they cannot realize they are blind. They are sick and dying. They don't know they are sick and dying. Jesus said you are like water that is neither hot nor cold, lukewarm. I want to spit you out of my mouth. And may that never be said about you and our churches here in Singapore and there in Australia. It should never be the case. We can say we are rich and that we are poor. We can say we can see and that we are blind. That shouldn't be the case. Now, brethren, having said passionately about these things, 
May I now take your attention to verse 22. Where discipleship within the church is clearly explained. And this is what happened when Paul and his team returned to those churches they established in their initial effort of preaching the gospel. Verse 22, confirming the souls of disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Confirming the souls of disciples. Discipleship begins with evangelism. And then we don't forget the disciples. The church must undertake confirming their faith. How important it is for all of us to understand that the church has a great commitment, especially the preachers, the leaders, and parents who have been Christians for years and years, a desire to strengthen the souls of the disciples. The word confirming is a very interesting Greek word which speaks about strengthening. Strengthening the convictions. Strengthening the faith. And they are not shaky Christians. They are not like the reed in the wind. Being tossed to and fro. They are strengthened, firmed up Christians. But how can we strengthen the souls of disciples? Let's look at verse 22 again. Exhorting them to continue in the faith. There must be constant exhortations given to the disciples. The teaching program of the church must be strong. Apostle Paul and team did not have a lot of time in this place. They only had a very limited time period. They had to move on. However, in that short period of time, they did everything to make sure the brethren will be strengthened. So first thing they did to strengthen the believers is to exhort them. And they did it with great commitment. And they told them as they were exhorting, that the believers should continue in the faith. Continue in the faith. Now the faith is not just the act of believing, but the content of believing. It is emphasizing what they believe. Continue in the faith, in the creed, in the doctrines that have been preached. If Bethel BP Church going, is going to be, a strong church of strengthened disciples. There must be sound preaching and sound teaching. I'm glad Reverend Paul Cheng is there to teach you. But we need more men who are well trained in the doctrine to preach and teach. Of course they must have 
humble spirit as well to teach. If you are very proud and you think that you are like an academician, like a professor, and come into the church and act like a scholar, you're going to be a, a person who destroy the disciples. You must be like the Lord Jesus Christ. You must be like Apostle Paul in your teaching ministry. We shouldn't teach to show off that we are very smart. Yeah, we can be smart, we can be knowledgeable, we can be wise. But our duty is to take care of the disciples. We, our duty is to serve them and strengthen them and make sure the faith, the understanding of what they should believe is clear and clean and good. You know, there are some fellows who come to church to teach and they stand in the pulpit and give a nice talk. They, they expound the words, they give the meaning, but then they get down from that pulpit. They are different people. They don't live by the truth. They have a different set of principles. They don't live according to the Bible, resulting in utter failure. And even disciples will be confused. Instead of being confirmed by their teaching, disciples become confused by their behavior. That's not the kind of pastors and preachers and teachers we need. So if God calls any of you to serve God, in the preaching and teaching ministry so that disciples, new believers, and the existing believers can be strengthened. You must remember, you, like the apostles, be able to tell them that, look, through much tribulation, we enter into the kingdom of God. The last part of verse 22. The exhortation was that we stick to the faith despite the tribulations that we have to bear. And Apostle Paul and his team were a classic illustration of how to endure sufferings just for the sake of the preaching of the truth. They were men who were willing to die for Christ. So dear brethren, teaching without a commitment to suffer for Christ will not help in the disciple making ministry. This is not having a big program and give it a big name and you know publish it in your website and produce pamphlets and, and colorful advertisements and make a big ooha about it. That's not disciple making. Disciple making is teaching the truth of God's word with a commitment to prove its validity, its value, its worthiness by suffering for the cause of the spreading of the truth. So disciple makers of the church are not those people who like to show off their intelligence or show off their certain powers, abilities. They are the ones who has a burden to preach the gospel for the sake of the souls that they may be confirmed in the faith and give them a pattern through their own life and teaching that tribulation is the path of discipleship. Nobody gets to the kingdom of God 
by being uh, by being in a in a in a pursuit of luxury and pleasure it is through much suffering it is through much tribulation we serve the king and we remain in the kingdom those christians who just desire luxury and fame they shall not taste the power of Christ in their life. The power of Christ comes to us when we are weak. You know, Apostle Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. He said, I rejoice in my infirmities. That's in 2 Corinthians 12. Though the context is not so much of persecution, but the context is about trials. He was having thorn in the flesh. Satan was buffeting him. Uh, God allowed that. But he prayed that God would remove that thorn in the flesh. He prayed it, th prayed three times, but the answer was always, my grace is sufficient. And Paul said, well, then that's sufficient. I will not ask anymore for the removal of the thorn in the flesh. I will bear it. I will go forward. I will preach the word. He never quit his ministry because of the thorn in the flesh. He was happy to hear the grace of God is sufficient. And so he pressed on serving the Lord. And he said, when I'm weak, then I would pray and the Lord's strength would come to us and I rejoice and minister to the people. And that's the kind of spirit we need. We have to endure many trials, many burdens, many afflictions. And when you confirm the souls of the believers with such exhortations by your teaching and by your life, which is a life of enduring troubles. Well, then the souls of the disciples will be strengthened. That's the kind of church Bethel BP Church ought to be. That's the kind of leaders you must be. That's the kind of parents, Christian parents, you ought to be. If you only talk to your generation, your children, oh, we must be rich. We must live comfortable life. We should not endure trials. Then, dear brethren, I am compelled to say in the light of the scriptures, you are a dying church. I'm not saying you are, but if that's the kind of mindset you develop, then you will be a dying church. I hope that's not the case. I hope you will see the importance of preaching the gospel and and, and, and strengthening the disciples that God has given to you so that your church will be a vibrant, Christ-honoring, Christ-worshipping, Christ-preaching church. And the burden is upon you now. The second thing that the church did under the guidance of Apostle Paul Let's look at verse 23. In, in, in strengthening the church as um, disciple-making, disciple-strengthening church, Paul ordained elders in every church. Verse 23. When they had ordained them elders in every church, had had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. And in fact, this pattern continues. 
And you can read that in the rest of the passage there. He ordained elders. Every church must look forward to strengthening the church by ordaining elders. Now, ordaining elders is, uh, is not uh, something that is uh, easy to accomplish because you need godly men. You can't appoint people based on their wealth or their natural abilities or their credentials in the world. You must have qualified men. The qualifications are listed in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1. And the qualifications cannot be negotiated with. You must have men of that spirit. And even you have, dear brethren, I may say this very boldly. When you have been blessed by God over the years to grow in faith and your temperament, your habits and your characteristics, your attributes were all molded by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and you know it is time for the church to have leaders, please be ready with prayer. As soon as your pastor or the present team approaches you that we need elders, we need deacons, well, we must be committed to you. I want to say very openly to you, I'm a man who believes in having elders in the church. By God's grace, I have four elders with me. And I'm still looking for more elders in my church. And we, we must not be shy about it. And you people must not be shy about being elders. If the Lord has called you and molded you over the years with knowledge Conviction of truth for which your church stand for and good families where your wife is supportive, where your children are walking right with God. You should be thankful to give yourself to be an elder. The purpose of becoming an elder is not for honor and prestige and some self gain, but to serve the church. This is an office of service, not self office of promotion and honor. There is an honor attached to eldership. The Bible talks about it as double honor in 1 Timothy 5.17. But the honor doesn't come by the position, by, by, by the service you render in that position. It is the work of that office that give you the honor. Will there be elders in Bethel in this year or the next year or the coming years? I hope you will increase those of you who have been in the church for so long. Why are you not ready to serve God? Something is wrong. God cannot give you elders from Singapore and Malaysia and other parts of the world. Yes, he can bring if you so will, but every city Every church in each city must find their elders among themselves. And if we do not grow up to that, what's wrong? Something is wrong. Listen to me, please. If you are a parent and God gives you three children or four children or two or whatever be the number, you expect your children to grow from nursery level to primary and then to secondary schools uh, or high schools, whatever you call it, then to university, and then you expect them to find a job, you expect them to get married. All this is a natural process of growth in any 
human society. How about the church? How about the church? Elders, ruling elders, teaching elders are the sign of a disciple-making church. When you cannot find men who fit the office, when there are no one willing to pray and to prepare themselves and seek the will of God, how to serve God, you know, we are failing. We are failing as a church. May I repeat what I said a while ago? We are becoming a dying church. We cannot be like that. You brethren better start praying. You sisters start praying that your husbands and you together with your husband will bring up godly families and you can offer yourself to serve God. It's not just about making money and making our houses big and buying new cars and making a big name for ourselves. This life is so short. Soon you will pass away. What legacy do you have for your children and your children's children before God calls you? How many more years are left for you? When will Bethel wake up? When will the members of Bethel move with a, de a, a deep desire to see a godly leadership in your midst who are able to instruct brethren, who are able to put their life at risk, if necessary, just to be disciple makers. May I tell you, it has to be found in you according to the scriptures, not outside. May God be pleased to move you. I've taken more time than I'm allowed. So here I stop by calling your attention to the last verse. Verse 28 of that chapter, Acts 14. And there they abode long time with the disciples. How beautiful is that statement. I wish I have more time to talk about this. But you know when godly men whom God calls come together with a church where the disciples are growing and disciples are taking up leadership. It becomes the pleasure of godly servants to stay with you. God, God servants enjoy the company of true disciples. And that's what it will be. Hope Bethel, every one of you, if you are a true disciple of Jesus Christ, will welcome God's servants who will minister and serve you to the very end with the word of God, with prayer and with this life that are dedicated even to suffer persecution. May you be a people who are well confirmed in your faith as disciples of Jesus Christ and who grow to become disciple making people. And thus, the real purposes of the gospel to which you are called may be accomplished. That you and the next generation and the next generation will serve the Lord Jesus Christ by making disciples and confirming the disciples. Whatever be the price that we need to pay, let's be ready to pay. 
I don't know what it will be for you as an individual or as a family or as a church. God determines. We all have to pay different price in our commitment to Christ. May God help you to preach the gospel and add more disciples by the grace of God and then to confirm their faith through exhortation and through, uh, and through life of suffering for Jesus' sake and then giving ourselves to serve in the leadership of the church so that new disciples may be strengthened with our humble effort. Meanwhile, as you do this, God's servants, whoever God brings to you, will find your place, a wonderful place, a wonderful fellowship, a wonderful church to work with and to serve the Lord during their lifetime. May this be your blessing. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for giving us understanding of Acts chapter 14 and the implications of those things that you have recorded in that chapter. May Bethel be blessed with the, with the knowledge and the benefit of practicing this knowledge we received. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to Reverend Dr. Prabhudas Koshi from Our Family Camp in 2022. Hopefully this episode has given you or helped you regain some insight into how you can follow Christ the way that he calls you to. Feel free to listen to the complete series on YouTube or on our website. Thank you for joining us today. I'm your host Joshua Na and we'll be back next Wednesday with another message on discipleship, our calling from Christ.